My name is Rue C. I'm the owner of the King's Roost here in Silver Lake. I'm half Dutch, half Indonesian. Uh, I've been here about five years. Um, well, about I guess about ten years ago when I traded, I handed the baton over to my wife and decided to leave the corporate world. I was a corporate HR executive. Um, I decided to be a stay-at-home dad and I started baking and raising tilapia and raising chickens and making soap and things like that. And a friend of mine was visiting and said, hey, if you're making bread, why don't you just mill your own flour? And I was like, that's a thing? You can do that? I don't have room for a donkey and a millstone. He said, no. He just showed me online. He said, you just buy these home electric mills. It's like a coffee grinder, but just it's but it's got a stone inside instead of a burr grinder. So I bought one. And ever since I've been milling everything, all the flour is 100% freshly milled from whole grains, living whole grains. And what, what, what is the benefit of that? I mean, for those of us that have always bought it from the store. Well, a good analogy might be, say, grinding your own coffee. Or, you know, if you think of like when you cut open an apple or an avocado, it begins to rust immediately. It, it oxidizes. And wheat berries, while they have less fat than an avocado, uh, do have a little bit of healthy oils in them, the wheat germ. And when you break open that wheat seed, it, you expose all those healthy oils to oxygen. They oxidize and go rancid, which is why whole wheat bread is always bitter, because you're tasting the rancid wheat germ oils. I didn't know that. Right. And so the reason we have white flour is because Mills realized all of our products are going to be spoiled by the time it gets to our customer. So we're just going to sift out the bran and the germ. You're going to get a lighter, fluffier, less bitter, rotten tasting flour and that's great for shelf stability and for baking results but it's terrible for your health really in fact it's so bad for your health that back in the late 1800s when they got when we got really good at removing the bran and germ from wheat flour we essentially created an epidemic of pellagra which is a b niacin deficiency and a lot of people started dying from that we had a we had an epidemic of pellagra between 1906 and 1941 that's why we enrich flour. They put niacin back in, the epidemic vanished. We lost about 100,000 citizens because of it. Really? Yeah. It was its own kind of plague. It was its own kind of pandemic. And we, you know, we didn't really learn our lessons. We just put niacin in, people stopped dying from it, but it didn't really change the fact that white flour is really not that good for you. And whole wheat flour is not that fresh. And eating rancid fats is not really particularly good for you either. You get benefits from having whole wheat because you're eating bran, you're eating fiber, you're getting healthy enzymes, you're getting minerals, there's things like that. But for me, if you have, if I have access to farmers all around local, here all around California, why don't I just buy grains directly from them? Like this bag right here literally showed up in the store yesterday. What is it? That's a red fife from Fat Uncle Farms. I gave the farmer the key to my store so that whenever he's in town, he just drops bags off in my store. Okay. So, what part of California is that? Modoc County. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's northeastern California. He grows it regeneratively farmed, really, really eco. So it comes straight from the farm to the king's roost, and customers can buy it. I can mill it for them here, or most of them actually buy it whole and mill it at home as they need it, just like you would for a cup of coffee. You grind your beans when you make your coffee. So it's going to be so much fresher if you do that? so fresh and can you taste the difference i find store-bought bread tastes very chemically to me and my kids don't like it they've been eating fre uh, freshly milled sourdough whole wheat bread for the last 10 years and they can't stand it if i go to the store and buy hamburger buns because i'm lazy and i want to say just have burgers that night and buy, buy buns from the store they don't really like them huh you're spoiled <laughs> <laughs> they are they I, I bought my son a bag of uh, wonder bread once just uh, curious to show him what it tastes like 
he opened the bag and he recoiled. He said, wow, it tastes like, it smells like chemicals. I thought it was really fascinating. He really noticed it. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, one is 17 and the other is 13. Do they bake also? The 17-year-old has just realized that he's applying to colleges right now. He just realized he's not going to have daddy bread, which is what we call it at home. So he's asked me to teach him. Oh, Finally. <laughs> well, um, for those of us that mostly buy stuff at the store, you know, I mean, what if we bought your flour that's already milled? What would be the difference between that flour? Uh, never mind store-bought flour, but your flour that's already milled and the Well, that, that's actually a really good question because during the pandemic, people realized that flours are no longer available in the store. It's hard to get. And part of it is we have a fragile supply chain. And our industrial food system doesn't have the ability to adapt to shocks to the system. So there is no shortage of wheat. There's lots of wheat in the world. A lot. Like, <laughs> right, more than anybody can eat. It's not like... I mean, think about it. Restaurants can still get it because it's the packaging and it's the distribution that's the problem. So our supply chains have been interrupted for the same reason you can't buy toilet paper. You can buy industrial toilet paper all day long, um, especially right in the midst of the pandemic. I went down to the industrial Costco down in Commerce, an entire, a mountain of industrial big rolls of toilet paper. Right? <laughs> it's because everybody stopped using those at work and we're trying to buy residential toilet paper. That's why we ran out. So for the same reason, there's no packaging for five pound bags of flowers. The stores just had nothing to put it in. And also the system is built to distribute a certain amount of that size packaging. So I suspect when the demand went up, even for those who could package it, so the difference here is I buy from central milling and central milling buys directly from farmers. So the wheat goes from the farmers to central milling and from central milling straight to the king's roost. So we're only two steps from the farm. That's great. Instead of maybe 20 or 20 30, right? Like between industrial farms, industrial milling, warehousing, distribution, then off to different supermarket chains and their distribution centers and then, then you know, moving on to their individual store level. Yeah, shocks to the system don't get don't don't really work well in a system like that. And so as soon as the pandemic hit, flour and yeast vanished off the stores. For yeast, people went to my YouTube channel and I got two million views on my how to make your own yeast video and maybe 20 times the regular number of orders for flour. And we just filled them. I just called my supplier like, are you having a problem? Are there any problems? Are, you, are we going to run out of flour? And like, what are you talking about? There's plenty of flour. <laughs> so you can see, look around here, there's maybe five or six tons of flour and grain in here, and I'm never going to run out. And who do you sell to? Um, individual bakers. You'd be surprised, people who get into baking, they'll buy two, three, four, 50-pound bags at a time. Um, a lot of cottage bakers, people who have their small home-based baking businesses, and some restaurants. Yeah. Great. So you don't lack for customers. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And so. you, you mentioned, is it Central Milling? You said? Central Milling, yes, is and the company. And who are they? They're a mill up in Petaluma, mm -hmm. and they are, they're one of the premier suppliers of, of artisanal flour to bakeries all over the country. So if you, if you find a really nice bakery, it's, it's almost a certainty that this is where they're getting their flour from. And of course, everything here is, almost everything here is organic as well. So they're doing your milling for you? Yeah. For the flowers, for the yes. Flowers. And then I will mill in small quantities for my customers here, and a lot of my customers buy mills because I have I sell mills as well. And you recommend that and think they're a good buy? Right? They pay for themselves. If yeah. you buy rotten whole wheat flour in the supermarket, the highest quality brand you can get, you're going to pay maybe three bucks a pound. 
If you look at that 50 pound bag that's sitting right there, you're gonna be paying less than a dollar a pound for organic whole wheat berries that will last in your freezer for 10,000 years and then mill them fresh. So your cost on a per pound basis is gonna be less than a dollar. So you're gonna save two bucks for every loaf of bread that you bake. And, and I've had my mill at home for 10 years. And so I've run, you have, I have a mock mill a mock mill professional and um i absolutely love that brand they're really reliable and i have an mock. older mill mock mill how do you spell it m-o-c-k uh-huh. so mock mills it's actually named after wolfgang mock who is the who is the designer and i've run maybe four thousand pounds of grain through my i have multiple mills at home but <laughs> i've i've run maybe three four thousand pounds of grain so my per pound cost is in the teens of cents so the mill has paid for itself probably paid for itself eight years ago so question on if you buy um so you would buy whole berries if you're milling your own right 100 percent, yes and does that do you have to refrigerate that or you can keep that in bags ideally you keep it in a freezer because bugs can get at them because they're so healthy and nutritious bugs will want you know anything will want to eat it um, and if you freeze them they will last essentially forever wow. like right. longer than a human lifetime and what's your advice to home bakers that are like just kind of on a journey it's not that different from Davy's advice I would absolutely say just keep doing it just do it and try and one of the things I think people the number one thing I teach people in my bread baking classes is listen to your hands and listen to your own instincts just learn the basics and then from there just just keep doing it in practice because one of the pitfalls I feel like people fall into is this feeling that they have some have to achieve some high level of baking prowess and there it isn't it's just if you use freshly milled grains everything you make even if the consistency isn't just what you like it's going to taste delicious because it's healthy it's not spoiled and so just keep doing it and don't worry about what other people say or what you think a bread should look like just bake it Mm -hmm. and you'll get better naturally and what would you do you have advice for a very first bread to make if this is your first well, you should, I would say you definitely need people. The other misconception about baking is that sourdough is a type of bread. Sourdough is in fact a process. Get yourself a sourdough starter, borrow one from a friend or get someone to give you some, make your own. I have, a, I have, like I mentioned, a video on how to make your own starter and bake with that. Just make a very basic sourdough bread and use the freshest whole wheat or a freshly milled flour if you can get your hands on it. I mean, honestly, you can even mill flour in a Vitamix. Just get wheat, just, yeah, just get wheat berries in the store. I actually made a video at the beginning of the pandemic on if you want to get flour, what's funny is that people go to the store, find that there's no flour, and they walk out of the store. When if you had a Vitamix at home, you can walk into the store, leave the flour aisle, go to the pasta whole grain aisle, and find a bag of durum or whole wheat or whatever, um, something that might be a different name, a couple pounds of whole wheat, come home and throw it in your blender and you've just made yourself freshly milled whole wheat flour but instead people don't understand that and they just walk out the door we used to everybody used to mill in the old days everybody had a mill in their house they had a little hand mill like a mortar and pestle type thing a lot of a lot of more primitive cultures they mill in their own village we've industrialized the whole process so we as a society have completely forgotten how to do that after smith miller is the most common last name associated with a job in the United States That's really comes before Baker logically. <laughs> That's really interesting. Well, how do we find some of your? You said you have videos. Uh, King's Roost channel on YouTube. Yeah, if you just look up King the, the King's Roost on YouTube, you'll find my channel. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's the best thing to get some lessons from you too? Um, I haven't put any classes up, but I, I might do that next. Okay. <laughs> How would we find out? Do you have like? Um, I have a. I have a. Uh, you can get on my mailing list on my website at kingsroost.com. There's a little form you can fill out it and drop your email in there. I'll link to it. Yeah. Thank and you. yeah. Sure. Great. Any other things that I didn't ask? Uh, do you have any, Patricia? Patricia is my. Well, class. I'd like to go over and look at the flowers, but the, I don't know if this gentleman needs. Oh, Dave, did you need to check out? Sorry. Yeah, if, yeah, I'm, that's I'm okay. If you want to take another minute. Oh, we can always, it's, it's editable, so we can, we can pause. Yeah. Maybe you want to listen. Um, flowers, I think, okay. if that's okay. So, Rue, right, is your name? Yes, Rue. like shoe. So, Rue, I'm Patricia Rose, and I have a website called Fresh Food in a Flash, okay. and I've taught cooking classes, and um, I taught bread baking, but I've mainly taught with, white flour and yeast type because people I taught really wanted the quick kind of bread making and and again I talked with them about how there's no magic to this you know um, so but for my own purposes I love to make um, different types of bread and I'm kind of just getting back into it particularly now that it's soup season I feel like I can allow myself those extra calories during <laughs> during the winter that I might not have done in the summer. And, and Patricia, tell them that you also have a, a, a heavy re exercise regimen that may help you. Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> I do. I swim a half mile a day, so I just swam before coming here. But anyway, so we're coming here for the first time, and it's a little bit overwhelming because there's so many different types of flowers. So I was hoping that you could kind of run through um, what you would recommend for first timers like us and, and kind of spanning out into some, some artisan flowers um, to make bread mainly. I would say bread mainly. Yeah, maybe, you know, and also perhaps trying something like, uh, I've made rye bread, but I've never been happy with the yes. results. And so that's one I'd love to expand to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and, um, yeah, so, uh, all right. Well, okay. That's, that's a really big question. And as far as the flowers that I carry, I have to give you a gigantic caveat, which is I haven't baked with refined flour or pre-milled flour in more than a decade. So I'm probably not the one to ask <laughs> if you choose. So there is the reason for going with using yeast and a white flour, a bread flour is because it is a little easier and you're gonna get more consistent results. The flip side is milling your own flour from grains that are grown locally, the grains will behave differently, the flour will behave differently in a recipe, even if it's the same farm, the same grain, but from two different harvests. I even ran into a problem where the baking felt different, the dough felt different and held together differently because one of the farmers, was it was one of their first years farming they didn't do something that farmers do, which is to mix the grain from the whole field. So the grain on the left side of the field made a different loaf of bread than the grain on the right side of the field. In what way? Different protein content. They get different amounts of sun, different amounts of hydration, and the way it's watered, you will get different levels of protein. So the dough will hold together better or worse, depending on which side of that field it came from. But I digress. The question you asked was, how to, how to make sense of all these different flowers. 
So they generally fall into a couple categories. The simple answer is start with Artisan Baker's Craft. It is a top quality organic white bread, like refined bread flour that's high in protein and makes a wonderful sourdough bread. You can use it for any kind of bread that you want. If you like your bread to be a little more darker brown in the crust, then they have something called Artisan Baker's Craft Plus Malted. They put a little barley malt in it and that that's a little more sugar and that gives you more of a Maillard effect on your crust. That's really simple. You could just go with that. There are five or six or eight different kinds of like fine tuning bread flours. Like if you want something with extra high protein or if you want something specific for pizza dough. But the reality is you could use ABC for just about any bread. But if you are specific and you, and you, for example, there's a brand called Caputo. There's a Caputo red label and a Caputo blue label. So Central Milling has something that's similar to that, a reinforced and a normal double O flour that people like to use for pizza dough. So really, it's like as soon as you get into some of the more specialty uses, like if you're always doing pizza, then you might start with a double O. If you're always doing sourdough, you might start with an ABC. If you're doing rye bread, you might start with just a plain old medium white rye flour. Of course, as you get into rye bread baking, for example, there's like two or three different kinds of rye flour as well. Pumpernickel rye, medium white rye, you know, things like that. What so, about the white rye that you have? What is that for? It's a more refined rye flour. So it's like, it's like the rye equivalent of ABC kind of, in a sense that it's had the bran and germ removed. ABC is what? Artisan Baker's Craft, oh, okay. yeah. So um, if, and we, if we're used to buying um, a loaf of rye bread at our Jewish deli, what would be the same kind of flour we would be looking to I, buy? I honestly, I don't know what flour they would use um, because each baker might use a different version of rye oh. flour. But it probably wouldn't be pumpernickel because they make kind of, a, it's usually like a lighter Kind of. Yeah, pumpernickel is a darker, coarser, mm -hmm. coarser flour. So they might use something like a medium white rye or a fine white rye flour. So is pumpernickel, is that, is that all pumpernickel flour? I mean, when you make a pumpernickel Well, bread? pumpernickel is made from rye. It's a whole, it's a coarsely ground whole rye flour. So nothing is taken out of it. Correct. So it's the same flour, mm -hmm. or, but milled differently. Right. Oh. All right. So a lot of the differences between these bags are just how coarse, how coarse or how fine they might be. And then you have another category, which is just flours made from different grains. So if you're interested in some ancient grains or some uh, specialty grains or gluten-free grains, you could go as so, for example, Khorasan. Khorasan is also known as Kamut. I think that's the brand name, um, but it's been trademarked by somebody. So they call it Khorasan. That's the name of the grain. Durham is used for pasta, and semolina is used for pasta. What's the difference between semolina and durum? Well, actually, that's an interesting one. Semolina is is a refinement of, of flour made from durum. So if you take the durum, durum is the name of the wheat. It's a variety of wheat. If you mill it, you're gonna get durum flour. If you partially sift it, then you're gonna get semolina. Oh. So semolina is a type of durum flour. It's coarser, right? Yes, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's partially refined. So it's and not- what would you use that for? Semolina, I think people use it for pasta. They yeah. might use it for okay. pizza dough, mix it in. Uh, and for breads as well. I made a bread with it. Yeah, you can do breads. It's awfully good. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, is people don't really, people think, oh, I have to use the exact right thing. Like, I must use durum for pasta. It's, durum's just a high-protein white, type of white wheat. You can use any wheat that has gluten in it for pasta. You can use Coruscant for pasta. You could use Artisan Baker's Craft for pasta if you want. I mean, for most of us home bakers, the differential might pass unnoticed. If you're a professional baker in a bakery or a fancy restaurant, you might want to have it just right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I encourage people to really just explore and, and experiment and goof off and make mistakes and all that. I have another question that's on a sort of different subject, but I happen to be from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So, of course, a lot of uh, grain, uh, wheat berries grown there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the difference between the Minnesota wheat and the California wheat? That I'm not entirely sure. Because, so for the commercially grown grains that come in the 50-pound bags, they may be grown all over the country, and I Uh don't necessarily track that. But I do know that California um, tends to get less rainfall. So you have lower yields. You have more intensely flavored grains. You have, in in a lot of cases, if you, for example, grow in a really arid climate, you have to grow different types of grains that will survive a more arid climate and less watering. So you end up up getting, for California grains, you tend to get an interesting variety, I find. Like we get Sonora, Yucora Rojo, things like that, that will have a different flavor. And I think, in my opinion, and again, I don't have a lot of experience on this part of it, but I think that some of the grains that are just sort of like mass produced in the Central Plains, you're going to get more generic like mild flavored grains, I think. And if we don't have a if we don't have a mill, which you I don't. Get a mill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but if I'm thinking about it and I haven't gotten one, um, what, how will I? Is there quite a difference? Would you say in the flour if I buy it today and make bread with it as as compared to if I bought your mill and, and milled it? Do you remember the days when we used to get coffee made with Sanka? <laughs> right or max like instant coffee to me the difference is like milling your own flour from a local farm is like probably the coffee equivalent of roasting your own beans and grinding them and make fresh just for that cup perfect cup of coffee versus going to the store and opening a little foil packet of instant coffee it is just a different thing and i'll can tell you I have never in my five years of selling mills ever had somebody come in and say you know I wish I didn't buy that mill I these are not milled here these are milled by central milling up in Petaluma and um, they these flowers would be the very closest thing you could get to freshly milled in any store because frankly things in the supermarket have been sitting around a long time um, this stuff some of these some of these bags may have been milled within the last week and would you recommend, since we don't have a mill at this point, keeping them in the refrigerator or the freezer um, until you use them? Sorry. It depends because you have to think about why, why do we have refined flour? A long time ago, mills realized that when they milled their flour, the, 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 the enzymes and the bran and the germ would go bad. That was the part that would spoil. And bakers also realized if you sifted out the bran, you'd get a loftier, fluffier, easier to digest, easier to chew loaf of bread. So mills started refining the flour for shelf life. So if you buy a white flour, so an all-purpose flour, an artisan baker's craft, a uh, high protein, um, like high mountain high gluten, you're going to have nothing in there that's going to spoil. You can set that on your kitchen counter and bake with it f- for a year. It's fine. But if you look at the bag right next to it, something like whole Coruscant flour or pumpernickel rye meal, anything that has the wheat germ and the wheat bran intact, you're going to want to keep it airtight in the freezer or use it very quickly because you will notice 
after a couple of weeks, it will start to have a little bitter, rancid aroma to it, which all the whole wheat flours in the supermarkets already have right off the shelf. So at least here you have a head start on that spoiling, what, spoiling what are your process. Thoughts? You know, there's this huge uh, gluten-free thing go still going on now, and I know several people that are gluten-free. Um, and I, I know we were talking about that. I guess buckwheat flour is, is gluten-free, but um, I don't think you have any other gluten-free flours, right? I actually do have, since I do sell to some restaurants, uh, I do sell uh, gluten-free bread mix. There's a Pamela's gluten-free. There are various different flours that are gluten-free, like buckwheat. The, the thing that I would say about my opinions on gluten-free is... Gluten is actually kind of tough to digest. And that's why bread has always been a fermented product. Mm -hmm. People use sourdough starter or levain or mother or whatever you might want to call it. It exists in almost every culture on earth. And humans would use the starter to ferment their bread. And that fermentation process by using a natural starter, which contains bacteria and yeast in combination and time, would actually pre-digest and break down the gluten in your bread. When we switched, because of our industrialized bread processes, when we switched over to using only yeast to speed up the process, we shortcut that fermentation process. So the combination of removing everything except the proteins and the carbs, and then shortcutting the fermentation process that breaks down the gluten, and in commercial bread baking, we add something called vital wheat gluten to bump up the gluten content. We've essentially turned what used to be historically in ancient human culture a very easily digestible, low-gluten, sourdough-style bread into a gluten bomb made of essentially grass seed paste. I mean, to me, that's what commercial bread is. It is... It is a high-protein, like high-gluten grain, which has been stripped of everything but the carbs and the glutens. Or, I should, technically speaking, it's the precursors to the gluten. Actually, all these are gluten-free until you add water. Right. That's interesting. <laughs> right? I never thought about that. Right? The gluten forms when the right. proteins link up. Um, not, most people, I think, know that by now. But uh, you take a very high-protein grain, remove everything but the protein and the carbs, add more protein, and then shortcut the process that would allow those gluten molecules to be broken down and you create essentially an indigestible wow. gluten bomb which I which i right i can't eat commercial bread if i go to my favorite sub shop right over here in silver lake i regret it if i buy pizza from a pizzeria i regret it deeply wow, for a couple days oh yeah i'm just oh it messes with my stomach i can eat sourdough bread that i make at home that's been long fermented all day long all day long, no problems at all. And I hear that from a lot of my customers too. Really? Yeah. Ones that have issues with gluten. Yes. 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 And one of the things that may resonate with your listeners is I know that a lot of people who come in and tell me, you know what? It's funny. I went to Europe and I could eat the bread there, but I came back to America, I could not eat the bread here. I hear that almost every day. And that's because of the sourdough. It's probably a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's depending on like how our flour how our wheat is grown what chemicals we use what how it's very refined the fact that most bakeries won't do along like a sourdough is not a type of bread sourdough is simply bread made with a with a levain made with a starter yeah. instead of yeast so 
sourdough is kind of a misunderstood concept. All bread, until, until we invented yeast in the mid-1800s, like isolated yeast, all bread was sourdough bread because it was the, that's, it is how you made bread. So to me, I think of, like, if someone says sourdough bread, to me, I just skip the, just lose the term sourdough and just call it bread and then call what you buy in the store a bread-like imitation product. <laughs> what you buy in the store is not even, is not even bread, in my opinion. Not very complimentary. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, well, it's terrible. I mean, you think about all the people who are having problems with digesting yeah, gluten. I, I mean, it's killing us. And, and literally, the refined white flour from the late 1800s, what I told you earlier, it literally did. It killed 100,000 people in the United States. If you could look it up, you go to the cdc.gov website, you'd read an article on, um, on uh, public nutrition. There is an article on supplementation and why we enrich flour. It's, why do you think, have you ever stopped to ask why we enrich flour? And so it doesn't kill you. If you try to subsist on unenriched white flour, you will very likely suffer, eventually you will suffer from malnutrition. So it's that niacin deficiency that comes from taking out all the healthy parts of the wheat berry, and if you try to subsist on it, you will get sick. And so the niacin is there to keep you from getting sick. And ironically, the, the, the B vitamins they put in flour are actually what is in a wheat berry. But we took it all out when we removed the bran because that's where the nutrition is. If you think of wheat seeds, they are, a, a, they are a complete package, a living thing, right? Just like an egg. We keep chickens, so I like to use egg as an analogy. The bran is the shell. It's the minerals. It protects the seed. It's indigestible, which for human digestion is good. I mean, we don't eat eggshells, but if you needed calcium, you would, <laughs> right? Then underneath the bran is a layer of enzymes, which also assist with digestion. And then deep inside is an egg yolk, which is called the wheat germ. That's where the fat and that's where the sprout comes from. If you remove all that, then what you're left with is the endosperm, that's the egg white. So your white flour is a little bit like egg whites, just the egg whites. So the, just the carbs and the protein. But in terms of most wheat flours you buy in the store, it's also bleached, chemically aged, and then enriched so that if you try to subsist on it, you can actually survive on it because it really isn't food, oh in my, my opinion. You're, you're talking me into changing <laughs> my buying habits. Quick question on the machines. What, what's the learning curve on those? Um, bread, I mean, grinding, yeah, the home mills are really easy to use. There's no harder to use than, say, a coffee grinder. You just set, you just set the finest you want and put the grains on top and run it through. It's and what kind of mill is this? This is a mock mill. The one you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much does this one sell for? I think it's in the 400s range. Because it's wooden. It has a wooden case. You want to get a picture? I'm just curious about... You'll send those to me, Patricia? Yes. So take a look. So this is the stone. That's a stone in here. It's huh. a ceramic disc. Can you get the stone? Right. That's a, a ceramic stone? Mm-hmm. With corundum um, minerals embedded in it. And that's what actually hits the uh, These, grain? So yep. it's like an olive mill for making olive oil in a, in a different it? way. Is that how they do it? Same yeah, idea. cool. I've never seen one of those. So you just so put how that, does it work? So the way it works is the bottom mill, when you turn it on, the bottom one spins. Uh -huh. And like a windmill, the, wind, the, the bottom stone is a fixed stone and the top stone spins because the windmill is turning with the gears and turning the top stone. Uh -huh. And there's a hole in the middle of the top stone and the grains drop in there. And when these little notches here line up, the grains roll into there, and then as it turns, they get crushed. 
and they eventually, as and as this is actually angled out a little bit, so that as they get further in, the, the gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and they get crushed into smaller and smaller pieces, and then they fall out the edge and drop down into your bowl. And, and you can set it to the fineness that you want? Yep. So it could be coarse? You can do coarse. Fine. I've done cracked corn for our chickens. Yeah. I've done garbanzo beans. I've done spices. I've done rice, barley, teff, einkorn. Uh-huh. And how do you buckwheat. clean it? You don't. You don't clean it? It's a stone. It's, like a it's made of stone and wood and, and electrical motor. You know, there's you, water never touches it. You just, if I mean, really well, the only... What about way... using different grains, though? They just... They just push the next grain out. Like you just have a little, like a few dustings of another grain and it just gets pushed right through. Yeah. Now if you do spices and you want to kind of clean it out, you, yeah, can, yeah. you run a cup of rice through it. Yeah. And the rice, the rice absorbs. The rice will clean it? Yeah. So you turn it on, that's the, you hear the stone. So I'm just going to... So I set it to the finest, the finest setting. It's basically, I could do really coarse, or as I dial this down, it's going to get closer and closer until eventually the stones will start to touch. Is this in the way? Nope, not at all. No, I didn't want her to get a picture without my mic in it. Thanks, Patricia. I'll give you photo credit. Yeah, okay, thank you. bread made entirely from white flour you're missing out on a lot of the nutrition you're missing out on all the fiber and bran that your body needs you're missing out on the healthy oils you're missing out on b vitamins all those nutrition all the nutrition that's in a whole complete food is gone because you're using a refined food and by the way when you take out all those healthy parts what you're left with are the carbs and the gluten so if you eat a lot of bread you're going to have to your body's going to crave more bread and you're going to need to exercise a lot and so the only point I was making by commenting on that was simply if you're milling your own flour or at least using healthy, fresh, whole grains, then your bread is going to be more filling. It's going to be more nutritious and you're not going to be as prone to gaining weight from eating bread. So we all think of as bread as this thing that makes us fat. If you define bread as a thing you buy in the store or something you make with refined white flour, I, would, I could see how there's some truth to that. And yes, if you eat, even if you eat a lot, if you eat enough whole wheat bread, <laughs> you're going to get fat too. But it's a little harder. It's much more filling. It helps keep your digestion going. It's got more nutrition in it. And I would suggest that as a whole complete food that has a lot of your, like if you have like three or four slices of my bread, you're getting, I think you're 100% of your RDA of fiber. <laughs> So, of course, it keeps everything going and everything, you know, it keeps you regular and all that good stuff. Um, and so I find, you know, I found even though I, I eat this bread all day long, all the time, you know, every day, um, you know, my bread, my weight's been relatively stable throughout this whole yeah, pandemic. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'm a little heavy, but a couple of pounds more than maybe before the pandemic. 
but it's but it would be a different thing if I was eating white bread. I can tell you that for sure. So, so uh, just quickly, you, you mentioned when I didn't have the microphone on what you make in, 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 for your family. What do you in the course you say you buy a lot and make? Uh, oh, well, like at the beginning of the week or at the end of the week, usually on Thursday, I'll mix together six or seven or eight pizza doughs worth of pizza and maybe two or four loaves of bread worth of dough. So I just, that's why I have a second mill in the basement, which is a bigger mill. <laughs> so if I'm milling a lot of wheat at one time, I'll just mix up a gigantic amount of dough, bake a couple of loaves of bread, and then make pizza that night or the next night. And we'll have pizza for a couple of days. And then what's left, I roll it out and I'll make that into hamburger buns or English muffins to have something else for later in the week. Do you have like a really great oven? No. No? It's a regular one that regular. we might all have? Yep. Oh, okay. That's good to know. And one quick last thing. You, you, what was the kind of flour that you were using that I was asking about that you said was the original flour? Oh, einkorn, the one you bought. Okay. Einkorn okay. is the original wheat. It's sort of the ancestral wheat to all the, all the modern varieties of wheat. So uh, to use dog breeding as an analogy, the einkorn would be the wolf. And, you know, your, your Cora Rojo and all your different modern varieties of, of, of grains might be your, you know, your Doberman and your Dalmatian and your <laughs> and your Pitbull. I love, pit bull. <laughs> I love so. this stuff. But what about, but you said it wasn't so great for making bread. You couldn't just use it all to make bread for some reason. It's quite difficult to make a loaf of bread from einkorn because it has a weaker gluten structure. It's, it doesn't have the right types of proteins in it for making a great loaf of bread. It has weirdly more protein than most modern varieties, but it's just the wrong mix to make gluten. So if you make a loaf of bread from einkorn, it's going to taste fantastic but it'll be very brick-like. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so if you wanted to use it, you said just add, like, add it as a flavor? Kind of yeah, I use a high-protein hard white wheat for my base flour, and then I'll maybe mix in 10 or 20% einkorn. I'll mix in things that don't even have gluten, like corn or buckwheat or oats, mm -hmm. things like that. And you like that? Just yeah, for just different. for something different. Do you ever get tired of baking bread? Or uh, I... Love. It's a love. I love doing it. I do it every week. I the, we always we've always had bread in the house that I make myself um, for the last ten years. I just I, I don't You're want there to. Family. Well, unlucky for my kid who's about to go to college, who's going to miss it. <laughs> when my wife is on a job, I have to ship her the bread, and sometimes if I'm there, I'll bring a mill with me and I'll teach classes wherever I go. So I've taught in Rhode Island. I've taught in Boston. I've taught in Orlando. Um, I just post a class and just it usually fills up. But you don't have one now, right? You not right now, no, not with the pandemic. Well, you use Bevitas. What do you do to shape your your loaves, or what shape do you make? I usually just do round boules um, and just roll them into a ball and put them in the banneton for 10, 20 minutes and then toss them in the oven. Use the round bannetons you have here? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And what's the secret so that they don't stick? I have never had luck with bannetons. Rice flour. So what you do is just take a, little, a few, like a cup of rice and throw it into your home mill. And <laughs> and then use it generously on your banneton, and it'll that'll keep it from sticking. Good. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I'll wow. keep my class, mm -hmm. you know. No, I know it's very time consuming. It's very difficult well, to teach that. Well, you have to do the the TV thing, you know, right. where you yeah. have yep. something made. It's exactly. Their flour yeah. makes their dough, and then I'm like, and here we have the dough. It's six hours later. But I, <laughs> oh, but I you make, that, you make, when you make yeah. the class, you have it ahead of time. I have to do it's yeah, it's you a, have to do every step separate. I, that's why I love teaching in other cities because it takes a, an amazing amount of it's very challenging because I have to right. figure out how to either source grains locally which is very difficult because I'm literally calling farms and asking about their protein content and their harvest times and things like that 
and what's available in different types of grains. And then I'll have to do some test bakes. I have to get my starter. I have to travel oh, with my starter. Okay, right. And oh, then I have to... No, no, because I don't carry any flour. Right. I, what I do is I ship a 50-pound bag. I have central milling, ship it to where I'm going. Oh, okay, so I arrive and the mill is... I either bring a mill or I ship a mill ahead of time. And then I'll have to prep everything, do a practice bake, and then bake timing-wise, bake ahead of time and prepare all the dough so that it's ready to bake in class. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun, fun, fun challenge. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I, I teach upwards of 20 people in a class. You do? But yeah. you're not right now, right? No. Yeah. no. But you will again? You yes, know? I hope so. I'd love to. Because the other thing is, the class is not, it's, first of all, it's the only class that I'm aware of where the, the students mill their own flour. And the ingredient, we make bread, we don't touch white flour. Like, I don't think there's a single bread instructor that I'm aware of that teaches the general population, like this is, if you're just starting with whole wheat berries, that blows everybody's minds. But the class includes a lot of what we talked about today, the history of milling, the history and the evolution of wheat, the anatomy of the wheat berry, how it's different from what you might buy in the store, what you might make with ingredients you find in the store, what you might buy in a restaurant. And so you get an entire, it's a three hour class without a break. And we do everything from picking the flour, I mean, picking the grains, milling the flour, mixing the dough, baking the bread. We even make butter. You do? We oh make butter. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to It's the whole thing. So it's the whole much. thing. And so because it's an education, I've had yeah. people, their minds are so blown from what they learn and real opening their eyes to this whole milling thing that they've actually then gone to work and been like, can we please have this Ruga come into work? So I've taught, I taught my class in a conference room. <laughs> Um, I've had corporate groups come down and just rent the whole place out for a day and do a whole day of activities in here. We've done that too. Here, right here. Mm -hmm. So That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I have just one, just final thing that I meant to ask you. Sure. I mean, I think if you're a beginner, to be fair, you probably need to get some education and you need to learn the basic principles and ideas of what bread is. The problem that I feel is, and I kind of have come to realize this after the fact, is that much of what you learn and it's very difficult to sift out what's important to know in terms of a general bread baking bread baking concept and 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 sifting out no pun intended separating the wheat from the chaff <laughs> is understanding what is going to be relevant to your future as a home miller bread baker and what is relevant because the person who's writing that book comes from a bakery environment where they use 50 pound bags of wheat right so even some of the terminology, the bulk ferment. So to bring it back to a beginner, get a recipe, do it a couple of times, see what you think it should feel like. Remember that, you're done. You're a baker now. <laughs> now you know. And if you get tied up in this idea that you always have to follow these recipes and you have to memorize all these recipes, you're never gonna become a baker. Also, baker, ba recipe books always, always, always omit some information that the author thinks assumes you know so you're always going to have problems and that's why baking is so hard so just get a general understanding of how baking works mix flour and water let it soak for a little bit add the salt and starter let it ferment do some stretch and folds along the way and bake it really that's all there is to it so if you know that and you know what it should feel like at each stage then you can bake with any grain on earth yeah. When my friend introduced me to the idea of milling my own flour, his point was simply, if you're going to go to all that trouble to make your own bread, why wouldn't you just mill your own flour? It's literally two extra minutes. We saw. And that is, you know, 
making to me making bread from a recipe and buying bread flour in a supermarket is a little bit like deciding I'm going to make my own artisanal homemade sodas. Let's see, where can I buy phosphoric acid? And where can I buy caramel coloring? Like, that's not how you would do it. <laughs> you would go find some sassafras root and whatever. And so, you know, you would get the ingredients and you would soak them and you would get cane sugar. You wouldn't be buying corn syrup and putting it into your homemade <laughs> soda. That would be insanity. And yet, that is exactly what we do with bread. We're replicating an industrialized process that has been developed over a century by food scientists for mass, produce, mass production and mass poor health and trying to replicate what food scientists are doing on an industrial scale in our home using industrial inputs. To me, it's about also bypassing the entire industrial food system and talking to farmers and getting grains directly from farmers and talking about how they grew it and where they grew it and how long they've been growing it and where the seed come from, comes from. That Rouge de Bordeaux is the same grain. It is, it is a descendant, of course, but is the same red flower that Napoleon took with him on his campaign to Russia. So there is history there. And to me, the idea of buying a bag of white flour in a supermarket is like... It's just, it's, it just doesn't compute. <laughs> so, sacrilegious, huh? So it's, well, it's just pointless, you know? I don't want to say sacrilegious because it has its place. I mean, that mass production provides cheap, repeatable results that can be done at, like, mass, in mass quantities to feed people, and that's important, too. But the irony, of course, is, you know, when you think about how much it costs to buy a loaf of bread... Your, I, I heard a statistic somewhere, many years ago, I heard a statistic that in a box of cornflakes, say it's five bucks for a box of cornflakes, the cost of the food that's in there, the cost of the corn from the manufacturer is, is maybe is less than 10% of what you're paying. Like 80, 90, or something like 90, 92% of what you're paying mm -hmm. is marketing, packaging, logistics, distribution. And to invest so little in our health and so little in the food that we eat, it, that's sacrilegious. And to me, it's like I can, I can stock my house with a thousand pounds of grain at basically no cost. <laughs> you know, it really is like this bag of grain right here is 74 cents per pound. Well, you must have a big refrigerator. I have one little medium sized chest freezer. And I don't have a thousand pounds of grains at home. I'm just saying I could do that. <laughs> I probably have like 200 pounds of grain in the freezer. Because oh, wow. this is a 50 pound bag. So, if, so it takes up, you know, 200 pounds is for these little bags. And they, they sit like just standing up, boom, 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 in the freezer. And I just pick the grains I want. And then in my kitchen, I have a bunch of them in the kitchen island in all different mm -hmm. jars. And then if you open any drawer in my kitchen, I have a whole bank of drawers. It's just all different kinds of grains. So this is like uh, rye berry. So if I got it and I had a mill, I could, I could make pumpernickel, medium, or light rye. Oh. Yes. I am nodding my head in a big way since your listeners can't so see I me could, nodding. Okay. <laughs> so I could uh, choose what I wanted for anything. Yeah. I mean, that's a coarseness. You're always going to make whole wheat. So you're not going to be making bread flour. You would need a sifter for that of some kind. And then it gets, that just gets to be a pain. If you really needed bread flour, then just buy some good quality ABC. But if you do for anything that you need whole, whole flour, whole grain flour, pumpernickel, buckwheat, oats, mm -hmm. rye, barley, teff, einkorn, kamut, um, spelt, 
Yeah, tough. Yeah, that's the tough is a tiny little brain. It's uh, in that jar of soup. Well, you haven't talked me into wanting a mill. That's all I can tell you. Well, like I said, it pays for itself. You know, yeah. the mill totally pays for itself over time. And what are your hours here if I do want to come back and get one? Um, set an appointment. Because if you come during hours, as you saw, it's very busy. And it's very difficult to stop and take the time to explain and show you and yeah. help you pick the right one. So just set an appointment. But I'm normally open Sundays and Thursdays, Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays for two hours. I got the rye flour, the ABC, the artistic baking something or another yeah i think it's basically equivalent to yeah a perfect like an ap flour Mm -hmm. and then i got a nice uh medium wheat flour um which is sort of like a whole wheat flour that we think of and i'm excited about trying out um, a combination of the white and the whole wheat flour and making um a country loaf and putting it in a dutch oven like I did my last one that turned out really nice. And then the rye flour, I'm very curious to see if I could make like a Jewish rye loaf like you get in a Jewish jelly. Um, And I'm gonna have to buy some caraway seeds because we learned today that that's what really makes the difference of of what tasting like um, that bread we're so familiar with from the deli. So, I think it would be fun to try an experiment with these flowers and go back and maybe try some different flowers next time and and just kind of go on this journey of of new adventure with the baking. And you'll have to tell me how it comes out. Yeah, and we're going to share because we yeah. both have the same flowers. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So you can send me a picture of what you made. Yeah. And send you a picture of what I and, and you know what? Maybe things won't turn out perfect the first time and we'll learn from each other. So there you go. Great picture. I can't wait to see what you do. All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks and thank you for coming with me today. Thank you for taking me. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was yeah. Good. Thank you. All right.